same as it, as it was, you know, it hasn't changed. They played great. Uh, you know, if you're looking back at it, you know, everything that Europe has done over the last 20 years to innovate, to get an edge, they've just copied us. They're doing the exact same thing as us, you know, so it's just hard to find that edge. Uh, you know, if they were a good team and they got everything right during the week, uh, you know, everything, even going up and practicing beforehand, they happened to get the right wind. The wind that switched for the tournament was the wind they practiced in. So, you know, lot, they were a very good team and they, they did everything right and things went their way and they hold the putts, they had the momentum. So just one of those things. Uh, yeah, it's hard to find the edge anymore. How interesting is that? Padre Harrington yesterday, I was courtesy of the European Tour at the Alfred Dunhill Links. I'm going to be giving you an update on that leaderboard in just a moment. His play is underway as we speak. But I thought that was pretty incredible, what Padraig Harrington was saying. Of course, I've been one for years that's felt, as, as we look for the elusive about the difference between the European side and the American side relative to the Ryder Cup, I've always felt it was right in front of our nose. Uh, when you look at their leadership structure, they, they take their future captains and they become captains of uh, the Seve Cup, et cetera, et cetera, as they move through. They, they give them experience in, in being a, a leader of, of a team and deciding who plays with whom and when and all the rest that goes into it. Uh, everything else that they do, like on the European side, which is something I'm not sure I haven't heard yet, if they've worked out with, say, the PGA Tour, the captain on the European tour can work with the, the captain on the European side can work with the European tour to say, hey, I'd like to see uh, Rasmus Hoygaard play with whoever, Thomas Bjorn. I'd just like to see how those two players mix together to see uh, what kind of games they have, comparable in terms of where they hit the ball off the tee, shot shapes, etc. Uh, that was a little secret that we found out after uh, the victory at Glen Eagles. So those sorts of things, again, it isn't like they're deep, dark secrets. It's just a matter of looking at what the other side is doing successfully. And everybody in any field will tell you that we're all sons and daughters of invention. And you just look at what works. If somebody else has something that works, check out what they're doing. Maybe you can do it even better. I think that's exactly what happened with this last uh, Ryder Cup. It is now officially shocking news, October. Uh, it is also the time of year where some of the bing guns are starting to slow down, maybe catch their breath a little bit, play a little more sporadically. And with that, there are some changes that come with this season as well. Bubba announcing yesterday that he and Ted Scott are parting ways after a long tenure as player in caddy. Uh, Bubba's message to him was very nice, though, uh, literally using the word love. Uh, saying he loves him and he wishes him the best and, and looks forward to the next adventures. Uh, Justin Thomas and Jimmy Johnson have announced that they are ending their relationship. JT even going so far as to tell the world that definitively that he did not fire Jimmy Johnson, that they decided to part and go their, their separate ways and he wishes him the best. Now he's going to have a celebrity on his bag. Jim Bones Mackay has stepped up and said, I'll take that bag. Thank you very much. In fact, Jim, and I'm paraphrasing this quote from from Bones, where he said, yeah, NBC Golf Channel, thanks, guys. It's been fun working with you guys, but this is Justin Thomas. Uh, other news that came out in the 24-hour cycle that is golf and, and everybody else's news, for that matter, was that Bubba has made it into the round of 16 at the PLDA. Uh, Bryson, I beg your pardon, Bryson DeChambeau. Now, Dom, I believe that Bryson will, his, once again, going up there and slamming 30 shots over different different rounds. 
I think he's at 345 again in the afternoon, and the coverage has been streaming from the PLDA themselves through their YouTube channel, correct? Correct. You can watch the live stream. Uh, they're on Nevada time, obviously, but yes. So three, I, I believe it's 3 o'clock, 345 Eastern time, which is I think so too. whatever that is in, uh, in Nevada. But yeah, you can watch it live on, on YouTube. I, I've, I've watched some of it. It's hard not to. Again, like we've been talking about all week, there's a little bit of, you know, he's so polarizing. But I feel like a polarizing figure in a sport is a positive thing because there's a lot of people that I think he rubs them the wrong way. Bryson DeChambeau I'm talking about. Yeah. But those same people are logging on to YouTube to watch him hit drives. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a feeling it's – I have a feeling Eastern time, I'd like you to look up these times because I have a feeling Eastern time sure. he's going to be hitting at 645 because yesterday after the live coverage of Sanderson's Farms uh, cleared, uh, finished and Golf Channel went to the postgame show, uh, George Savarikas and, and Cookie were on there and they had live footage of Bryson hitting his shots. So they were, they were dipping into it live to, to watch him and I remember the one particular round that was at the top of the show. Bryson has, I believe it's six shots. And his first three went OB. The wind was into them and off the right. So it was in, in the miss for those guys, a lot of times tends to be left. Uh, for You're correct. So, I was wrong. He tees off at 345 Pacific time. So it's 645 Eastern time. The first group of 16 goes off at 130 Pacific time, which would be 4.30 Eastern time. There's only two groups left of 16, and they continue to you know whittle it down to the top eight and top four. I can see if I can find exactly how they're going to do this in terms of format, but I believe the championship is later today. I think that's how they do it. They whittle it down, and then later tonight they'll wrap it up or tomorrow. But let me see if you I know, can I have a, I have a question for our, our listeners that are around the world listening to is on the, the live digital radio side or on the television side in whatever way you, you get the program. Uh, and, and a lot of you answer us on Facebook and engage in, in that conversation there, YouTube or what have you. But would you be engaged, Bryson or otherwise, would you be engaged in a long drive competition as, as a sports fan? And a competition that is extended over multiple days, such as this one is, and it takes some time to go through because each of these competitors have to hit so many shots in each of their rounds, and they have multiple rounds uh, to move on. Is that enough to keep you engaged? Is, is that enough to keep you, say, what if it was in your city and you had an opportunity to buy a ticket to it? Would you go? And would you hang out for the whole time? Is because you're not moving around a golf course, like, and maybe maybe you don't when you go to a PJ Tour event. Maybe you put down a chair in one hole, and that's where you stay all day. I don't know. So I'm just curious about that. Would you, Don, would, would, would something of this nature, a long drive competition, be enough to hold your attention? Probably not for me specifically, but I could see it being, I could see it mattering for sure. But for me individually, I don't think so. What about you? I don't think it would. That's why I was asking the question. I, I don't mean to lead people by giving an answer here, but I, I, this is now at least the third day that we've been watching these groups go at it. The groups are getting smaller and smaller. 
They're pounding golf balls down the range, which I get the spectacle of it. I get the power of it. I, I get the awe. But it just seems like it's too much time to me. It just seems like it's extended too far. I understand that if you don't do that, as evidenced by what Bryson did, say you, say you took it from you know, six tee shots in each round down to three. Well, his first three were out of bounds. Thanks for coming. See you. Maybe that's not enough. I don't know. I'm just, I've never really paid attention to it before, to be honest with you. And now, now that we are because of Bryson, which again, as you've noted, is a credit to him that we are paying attention. But I'm just not sure. I, I'm, I, could, I, I don't know if I could see myself sitting up in a grandstand, you know, having a few beers and, and watching it and going, yeah, this is great. Let, let's stay here I for mean, the next I, I think three hours. I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, Matt, but I, I do think that golf could learn something from things like all-star games or skills competitions in, in like halftime of soccer games. I could envision like a almost like an all-star break where there's a long drive competition, there's a chipping competition, there's a, a some sort of putting skill, there's a hit a moving target type thing, you know, like they have in football where you've got something on a rope and they're pulling a target along and you got to hit a stinger right into the bullseye or whatever it is, and you take the top 10 or That's top That's what everybody in the world. does at the range. You fire it at the, at the tractor. That's right, but what I'm saying is you could build that. You, you build a skills competition. I, I don't know how or, or when this is best utilized within the PGA Tour season, but that is a way that I could see I could see what we're talking about being incorporated into everyday tour stuff where it would be really yeah. interesting. I would love to see the top 10 players in the world try and hit a moving target, and they do it quickly. If you watch some of these competitions at an All-Star game, the dunk contest happens at, you know, in an hour and a half, the whole thing, and then it's over. So you could do, you know, the top 10 in the world hit a long drive. They each get two chances, and then they have a chipping contest into a bucket or at a target or whatever it is. Everyone gets points, and then the winner gets something. I, I would totally watch that. Yeah, I would too. I just, as you're saying it, I can never see that happening because they won't. Why not? That'd be so good for the sport. It, it's not about, it's not it. about the merits they of could. doing it. It's, it's the same conversation about doing, uh, why, have, why don't they have a mixed team event right now with, with male and female professionals right now? Well, I think well, they the have reason, that on the ladies' European tour and the European tour, but they do not have it on the PGA tour. Yeah, and I think the reason is because of time and money, uh, because you've got two separate tours, you've got different purses in that setting. Uh, this is 2021. You better be paying everybody the same purse. It has to go down that way. So now, what sponsor are you going to find that wants to sponsor both? Which tour owns it? How do, they, how do they handle the television? It gets into all the stuff that's behind the scenes. And what you're talking about is putting together a golf all-stars, which we all would agree would be fun to see. But when and where do you do it? When these guys as basically independent contractors are out there chasing as much as they can get week in and week out from these big events. So it's, I don't know, unless, unless uh, somebody came in and offered huge money for the winners of each of these categories. And I can see what you're talking about too. We'd all want to see the, the long drive competition. We'd all love to see the part where they're trying to nail the tractor. That's, you know, whatever it's, it's pulling along for the target. If it, if the tar tractor is yeah, not enough. Yeah, but it wouldn't enough. need to be the top 10 in the world. And, and you, I got to think about this. I got to You got to think this. about it. Cause we how much of an all-star game is I it? Like if you don't have the top people, there's a solution to this. We need to get this in golf. This is a good idea. 
I'm just All right. I'll tell you what is in golf right now. The PGA Tour Superstore, they're the number one golf retailer in America, nearly 50 and growing. These massive, beautiful stores spread out across the continent, and the PGA Tour Superstore no doubt has whatever your game needs within those walls. But I can tell you what else is in, within those walls. Professionals, you're dealing with the best of the best, so they're going to make sure that you get the exact same. Uh, the PGA Tour Superstore is the number one golf retailer in America for a reason, and PGATourSuperstore.com is a great place to get started. Okay, let's bring you up to speed on what's going on in some of these leaderboards. First, we jump over to Europe, and we take a look at what's happening at the old course at Kings Barnes and at Carnoussi's. And right now, he who is playing Kings Barnes today, Jeff Winther, is leading three under through nine to reach the mark of nine under par. But Nicholas Colsarts has caught him. Uh, he's one under in his round today. He, too, at nine under par. Colsarts is playing uh, at Carnoustie today. Uh, let's see. From there, we go to scores at... Eight under par, tied for third. There are four of them. Ewan Ferguson, uh, Troy Merritt from the United States is three under through 10 at eight under par. Terrell Hatton is now but level par on his round. He is eight under. He's only one shot back halfway through his round. And Daniel Gavins has reached a mark of eight under par with a birdie at the sixth hole. All of those players just one shot off the pace lurking. Two shots back at seven under par is Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood is one under through 11. He is playing at Kings Barnes today. Again, he is seven under par, two shots off the pace. Eddie Pepperell is three shots back at six under par. Guido Migliari, um, uh, Migliazzi, I should say, is six under par, three shots off the pace right now. Some of the big names that are playing over at the Alfred Dunhill Links. Let's turn our sights to what's going on on the PGA Tour. What a start. Sahith Gala with an eight under par 64 spoke following about just how he authored what was an incredible opening round. Really stress-free. It's probably the best way I can describe it. Um, just drove it really well. I was really working it well. I got my slider back. I was hitting a pretty good cut, probably 25 to 30 yard cut out there. And this course kind of allows it because there's the trees around the tee box aren't that close to the tee. So I was just working my ball flight in there and um, just felt really comfortable uh, all day. Uh, being in the fairway helps so much. You said you were working on your, on your driver. What was maybe you're kind of struggling with? Uh, yeah. Prior? I mean, the driver's always been what's kind of been my weakest part of my game, and that's what took me kind of the next level in college was like getting a driver dialed in and started not hitting it out of play as much. Um, but yeah, I got a new driver after I missed the first cut at Corn Ferry Finals. Um, David Bray at Ping kind of. We did a little bit of work there and set me up with a new driver. It's a longer driver. I was like, if I'm going to hit it offline, might as well try and hit it a little bit further. And funny enough, I'm hitting it way straighter. Um, so that's the gala opening with an eight under par 64. He will tee off at 1.39 p.m. this afternoon at the Sanderson Farms. Tied for second, two men at seven under par. One of them very much a veteran, and Nick Watney spoke to what went right. It was, it was a fun day. You know, it was, it was one of those days that uh, – even if, you know, you hit it, you hit some really nice shots, you want to make those. But I had a couple of, of the bonus putts, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, some days you hit putts that look really good and they just miss. But today, a couple of those went in. And, um, yeah, it's, it's one, of the, one of the most fun days I've had in a while. Would you say it was a combination with how you're playing and the golf course setting up for you well? Um, 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I drove it really well, especially on my back nine, the front nine. And uh, from the fairway, you know, you, you have obviously the most control, but you can hit it in spots that you can be somewhat aggressive. The greens are super quick, but if you're in the correct spot, they're rolling so nice that you you can give it a nice a nice roll as opposed to you get out of position and you hit it up by the green and you know there's some spots that's just really difficult to get it close so um, I did a good job of, of keeping it in play and and having a lot of chances. Why doesn't Nick Watney age? How old is Nick Watney, Dom? I'm gonna look it up right now keep talking about the leaderboard. No, I'm gonna wait until you get me the information I'm looking. Just gonna wait He's 40. He's I, I, 40. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. How is saying. that a thing that's real? Hold on yeah. a second. Hold on a second. We're going to hash this out. I have got to do this and turn what? this off and do this so you can't hear him. That man right there is 40. Yeah, something's not right. He still sounds, his voice sounds like he's about 14. And he looks, look at that shot. A rookie year on the PGA Tour, just just coming out of out of school. Am I wrong? I don't. There's something I don't going understand. on here. There must be. I bet there's nothing under that hat. He's got like a George Costanza situation going on. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. There's something know going on there. It's yeah, we got We need to look into that. I'm not saying that Nick Watney is a vampire, but there's something going on. That just I'm just. I could contact his agent. Like, no, Would no, you contact his agent? I just need to understand yeah. how he looks, how he looks. <laughs> yeah. What what type of what type of uh, wrinkle cream does he use? Yeah, we don't. I don't. Oh, you want to interview? No, we don't need to interview him. I just no, need no, to we know don't what wanna... kind of products he's using. Yeah. Need to we want to know his, his skincare is. regime. Yeah. <laughs> We're this is a journalistic en- entity here. Also tied for second, and on the mark of seven under par after sixty-five, is a guy that's worried about other things. His wife is ready to give birth. Here's Harold Varner the third. You know, I feel like I, after a week off, I play pretty well, no matter where we go. But um, I just putted really well. I putted well in Napa, and I feel like I'm still doing the same thing. It's, the place is pretty pure right now. You know, if you hit a lot of good golf shots, and you're going to get a lot of looks, and you just got to be patient. And the way I'm putting it right now, I just need to get it on the green. Does it help like, with your wife being pregnant? Maybe your mind, your mind's always focused on golf, but having something else that's you know coming in the you know in the near future, kind of to keep your mind occupied as well. Yeah, I don't really think about it at all out there because there's nothing I can do to make that kid come out. That kid's going to come whenever he has to come, and you know the doctor though she goes to school for a hundred years and still doesn't know when these kids come. So, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, there's nothing we can do. You know, I'll be prepared. Steve Gent has been awesome about you know being able to get me home and. So I'm super fortunate to be in that position to play golf. You know, it's still fun. You know, it's, it's whatever. When is the due date? Next, week? next. Oh, I don't know what day. Wednesday or Tuesday. I don't know. One or two. <laughs> oh, we're fine. It, is it just me or is he not really sure what his child is due? That's some time. The old, the, like uh, the doctor, did, the OG the guy, whatever. All right. That's Our guy, Andy Ogletree. Dom. I'll give you yeah. credit for this, that you, that you saw this coming. He is tied for seventh. He opens with a five under 67. How incredible is that? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was, I was bothering Matt all day yesterday. All day. I was uh, texting him, 
But Randy is on the leaderboard. Check out Randy is on the leaderboard. He's sending me I'm like sending fist emojis, you, you know, the bicep flexi emojis. You can like, take emoji. a picture of your screen, and then you can write all over it. That's what I was doing. Yeah, I he's circling stuff. I was, writing, I was drawing circles. I was like, hey, Matt, check this out. Do, 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 exclamation point. Do, 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 send, send, send. <laughs> this is a big deal. This is in his backyard. Let's find out what Andy thought after that opening round. Yeah, um, I shot five, and, um, you know, it was, it was great. Obviously, it's just great to be playing golf again. I had six months of, you know, I had a lot going on with um, surgery and everything, and um, I'm just happy to be playing golf again, regardless of score. Um, I'm playing pain-free, and that's kind of most important to me right now. And I think it's kind of freed me up. I mean, I don't really have any expectations. This is my first PJ Tour event in six months. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm, I'm pleased with the start, but I'm more happy to be pain-free and just playing, playing golf again. And like you mentioned, first start back with your back. How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah. How's your game um, I'm feeling well. I had, uh, like I said, I had a long three, four months of rehab that I couldn't play golf. And, um, you know, my hip's feeling well again. I feel like I'm getting through the ball a lot better than I was before uh, I decided to have the surgery. And um, it's kind of showing on the golf course. I'm hitting, hitting a lot of good shots. So um, looking to keep it going the next few days. Does it make it more meaningful that your first start back is kind of a home event here in Mississippi? Yeah, yeah. this was kind of the one we had circled, um, hoping that I would get a sponsor invited into this one. And kind of all of my rehab and preparation was kind of hoping that I would get a start here. So um, it's kind of all worked out kind of the way we wanted to. And, um, you know, really happy to be playing in Mississippi. A lot of familiar faces out here this week. Um, a lot of friends and family out watching. So it's, it's, it's a good time, and I'm glad everyone gets to see me play. Does it put more pressure having all these friends and family out no. following you? Or? <laughs> I've always played better with a crowd, so it's nice. The first nine PJ Tour events I played, I had no crowd because it was throughout COVID and all the – protocol and everything but it's just nice to have have some people out there clapping every now and then and five fellow mississippians in the field and a lot of familiar faces between yeah. u.s amateur yeah um nice to see some buddies out here and yeah it's uh it's crazy even the walker cup team i played on there's a lot of familiar guys uh, and uh it seems like everyone's kind of making their way out here so it's a lot of fun you know obviously the more people you can know the more comfortable you can get out here and um i'm definitely I've played enough out here that I feel feel really comfortable now. That is our boy, Andy Ogletree, opening with a 500 par 67. Now, Gary Woodland had a really good open, too. He's also tied for seventh at 500 par 67. What he did at 18 was so impressive. If memory serves me, yesterday, 18 was playing 489 yards, par four, obviously. And he hooked his drive way left. So... He was on. He was almost to another fairway, but then it hit a car path and it rolled for a while, and it, and it settled to the right side of the car path. That was the 18th hole side of the car path. However, there was this canopy of trees between him and the green. Behind it, obviously, are the grandstands. Gary Woodland hoods an iron deliberately. I'm, I don't. I'm not saying that as a judgment. I'm saying that that is that was his strategy. It was intent, and he just he just kills it under the trees slams it into the grandstand, bounces it, ricochets it off the grandstand, and he has a birdie putt on the 18th green. Here's Gary Woodland afterwards. Great shape. It's a great layout. Uh, and uh, I played well. I didn't drive it particularly well. Got in a couple of bad spots, but iron game was great. Nice to make eagle there on the back nine, kind of jump starts and things. Um, and I made some putts, missed some putts. All in all, it was a solid day. So we talked back in May, and you'd, you'd gone back to, to, to Butch Harmon yeah. uh, around the Wells Fargo, a little before Wells Fargo. And now you, you talked about going to uh, Mark Blackburn. 
about you know, a little over a month ago. Yeah. What was the main reason for, for kind of that switch there? Uh, I s- sat down with, you know, really with my putting coach, with Kenyon, with my caddy. Um, I've known Mark for a long time. I play with Hoffman a lot, so I'm around him. He's seen me. I love Butch, and I'll still talk to Butch, but I, I don't. Unfortunately, Butch didn't travel anymore, so I don't see him enough. Um, and Mark's out a ton. He's he's close to my house in Kansas, and he's halfway between Kansas and Florida. So for me, I, that's a lot of access, um, and it's been really good. We're working. He's got me back doing a lot of things that Butch had me doing, which is very comfortable for me. Um, so it was an easy transition and uh, something I'm excited about. You talked about him kind of measuring what your what your body. I've seen yeah. a lot on like social media that that's how what he does. Yeah. Of measuring players' bias, what they can do. What has yeah. he kind of maybe showed some of your strengths and maybe some of your limitations? Yeah, he's he's put me through the 3D screen twice now. Um, so when we, right before when I first saw him, I just went as a, to consult with him um, a couple months ago. He put me through the 3D, and then when we started working a couple weeks ago, he put me back through. And it's amazing um, how well my body's moving now compared to what it was um, a couple months ago. So I've started to train again, um, starting to work out, which is nice, which just puts you in a better mood mentally. But um, there's there was some things I wasn't I was trying to do in my golf swing that I couldn't do physically. So we've simplified it, um, kind of gone back to I said a lot of things that Butch and I have worked on in a long time. Um, so it's simple and, and easy for me to understand. Um, and now when I get off, I, I know what I'm doing. That's that's hasn't been the case. I've hit bad shots the last year and a half and searching out there. Um, I hit some bad shots today, but I wasn't searching. I knew what I was trying to do. Um, that just makes things easier. Well, just one, one big key that he's kind of worked on with you that that's kind of helped you. Yeah, I mean a lot of it's setup, which is which is nice for me. It takes a lot of thinking out of it. But we're trying to get the club more on plane. I was a little above the plane most of my life, which causes me to drag it left. Um, so a little more down the line, um, a little allows me to work the golf ball both ways, which is huge for me. I, I've predominantly been a fader of the golf ball, but still trying to hit it pretty straight. But I have the ability to hit it both ways, which is what Butch has tried to get me to do for a long time. And let's just one, one last question. Just as you said, you said you said you're feeling better. You, know, yeah. you obviously had the injuries. Where are you with all that stuff and, and, and going forward here? This, for the, for yeah, this I mean, season? being able getting cleared to train has been a huge deal. Um, like I said, that just puts you in a better frame of mind. So, and then you start getting comfortable with a golf swing. Um, it, you know, this game can can beat you up pretty bad. Um, it's obviously everybody out here is really good, but mentally, when you start playing bad and you have high expectations, it wears on you um, and it puts pressure on, on everything in life. So, getting back and working out, getting my body right. Um, and then getting comfortable with the golf swing, I'm um, in a pretty good spot right now. One more quick one. How, how hard was maybe the last year or so? Brutal. Uh, with all that? Um, you know, obviously everybody's dealt with a lot of stuff, though. COVID's been hard for everybody. But for me, you know, I've grown up my whole life being around teams, uh, being around – I've had a big team around me. Being in COVID where I haven't been able to see Pete Cowan and all these – and Butch and, you know, Phil Kenyon hadn't been able to travel. There's been a lot of things. You know, Steinberg's, you know, a big part of my team. Not seeing those guys and being out here by myself, that's that's been tough. Um, so – Things opening back up, kind of getting people around me again, putting a lot of pressure on my caddy the last year and a half, having to deal with me by himself. So um, it's nice to have people back out here, and it just just makes me feel more comfortable and makes life a lot easier for me. Gary Woodland opening with a five under par 67 in round number one. What of the defending champion Sergio Garcia? He is tied for 50th, two under par with a 70. They kept saying during the broadcast that he and his caddy said he's not tired, he's doing okay. Uh, I mean... I guess uh, a little bit sweet and sour, I guess. Um, very happy about not making bogeys. Obviously, that's that's always a, a very positive thing. Uh, first first round of the season, uh, bogey-free, it's uh, very proud of that. But at the same time, you know, I felt like I drove the ball uh, quite well and uh, didn't take a lot of the, didn't take advantage of it. Um, didn't hit my irons badly, but it just uh, I just didn't hit them close enough and 
and I was always, you know, pretty much all day on that 15 to 25 foot range and uh, hit some really good putts that looked like when we're going to go in and, and didn't. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I was only able to make two two birdies. How is your uh, energy level coming off of uh, only a couple of days off after the Ryder Cup? I mean, it's it's okay. It's obviously it's not the same. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, but I feel pretty good. Uh, I had a couple couple good days of rest at uh, at home in Austin with uh, with Angela and the kiddos, and um, then uh, flew here on on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, obviously, had nine holes uh, on the program on on uh, Wednesday, and um, you know I feel I feel pretty good. Um, Obviously, a little bit tired, uh, but uh, but nothing nothing out of the ordinary, I guess. Do you have some good memories uh, getting out there on the course after the the, uh, the win here last year? Yeah, obviously, uh, yes. It was uh, it was great to to win here last year, and uh, you know I'm excited to uh, to come to have the possibility of come here coming here and, and defend defend my title. Uh, so you know, hopefully uh, hopefully we'll we'll have three really good days, and um, you know see if we can if we can manage to do that. Last question: If there's one, if there's one thing you want to improve on for tomorrow's round, going out tomorrow morning, what would that be? I definitely hit it a little bit closer. Uh, as simple as that, you know. I felt like, um, you know, I hit a lot of good putts. Uh, not not every one of them, but I hit a lot of good putts. Um, I hit some good iron shots. I just uh, it was a little bit gusty, and I struggled to to get my distances right. Uh, so instead of being five or six feet, you know, I was, you know, I was probably about. 15, 20. Uh, so um, it's always a little bit tougher when when you when you're on that range. But we'll try to improve on that tomorrow. Thanks. All right. So we'll see how it plays out for Sergio Garcia opening with a two under par 70. I do have an update on the leaderboard right now. Live leaderboard here, folks. Harold Varner the third has birdied his first hole of the day, so he has now reached the top of the leaderboard, tied on the mark of eight under par with Sahith Thigala. Thigala won't be teeing off until 1:39 p.m. This afternoon, it is interesting just to look back on round one as a body of work. Harold Varner III was 318.6 yards off the tee, 83% greens in regulation, almost 79% driving accuracy, and strokes gained positive 3.042. That was in the opening round, and the good times continue to roll. The man who's waiting to be uh, a dad again in this one, uh, will be for Harold Varner the third. I, I just got another update. The leaderboard is changing as we speak. Harold Varner the third has birdied two. He is now nine under par and one shot clear atop the leaderboard. I have a feeling that if I if I give you stats and hang on this long enough, he's just going to continue on a roll. That's how it happens sometimes when it happens. So it's a, a big deal for Harold Varner the third. Here's the interesting thing. If the big, as he said in that sound that we played for you, that that this child's going to come when this child's ready to, to to be born. What happens if he's leading, and in the middle of the tournament, his wife goes into labor? It's another one of those life questions. What would you do? Come on, what would you guys do? Send us your message on that too. What was the other thing I asked this morning about? Would you would you be into a long drive competition? If somebody says, "Hey, I got I got tickets for a, a week." For this long drive competition, would you be like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll go out there every day and I'll sit in the stands and have a couple of beers and see how it goes. Uh, Tour Edge's new hot launch C522. I'm not letting the cat out of the bag yet, but I, I will tell you that we are working on some video content for the Tour Edge because their new product 
is just going to continue to roll. They are on a roll, and they have been for a long time, pound for pound the best value in the game because they give you all of the technology, and with all of that technology, they also ensure that you don't have to remortgage a house in order to afford it, and you also get custom fit, and it's backed by a lifetime warranty. You can't go wrong. TourEdge.com for more information on that. Okay, let's take a look at some of the air times of the golf that will be coming up today. Let's start with the Sanderson Farms Championship 4 p.m. Eastern time this afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern time each of the next two days following. All of it can be found on Golf Channel. From there, let's find out what's going on on the, well, first of all, PGA Tour live. It is live right now on the weekend. It will start at 9.30. PGA Tour radio is at 1 p.m. today and 2 p.m. on the weekend. The latter PGA Tour radio can be heard on PGA Tour app. You can hear it on PGATour.com. Both of those are free, and they are available all over the world. Or if you subscribe to the National Satellite Service, Sirius XM, you can hear it there as well. Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship on air as we speak on Golf Channel, and it will be on air from 8 a.m. Eastern Time, both on Saturday and on Sunday. And the ShopRite LPGA Classic gets underway today in what is a historic day for the LPGA Classic because this is the first time which is hard for me to believe, the first time that there has been an all-female broadcast crew broadcasting a golf tournament. Uh, Again, to me, it seems, I don't even know why it it should be such a big deal. To me, it seems like something that should be happening all the time, and I was not even thinking twice about it. But I'm glad it is happening, and good luck to all. Uh, So history will be made there when that takes place later on today. Coverage from 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Golf Channel. Folks, when we come back on the Fairways of Life show, we are going to be joined by a special guest. And this guest is not only a friend, uh, this guest is making a profound impact. I'll let his life story and his path and his efforts speak for themselves right after this. Created without the constraints of time or money, PXG golf clubs are the most technologically advanced available today, and they are a perfect union of art, science, and engineering. And the PXG experience is unlike any you've had before. After you've been custom fit, your clubs will be built to exacting standards and your exact specs in the USA. So when you hear it, you know. PXG. Nobody builds golf clubs the way we do, period. Log on to PXG.com. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. 
I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgetone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, I made superior product, so I did. I came back and I started playing with the Bridgetone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgetone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers. But now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup-style event. The inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th through the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. Streamsong is so special with three top 100 U.S. courses designed by four legendary architects. Tom Doak's Blue Course, Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw's Red Course, Gil Hansen's Black Horse, secluded by thousands of acres. The greatest golf stories are lived, not told. Streamsongresort.com Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Pleasure to have your company for the world's largest golf talk show from anywhere around the globe, you are joining us today. We can see by the figures that are coming in, we have listeners all over Europe, heavy in the UK and Ireland, and as far away as Israel, and even some in Russia. Welcome, one and all, whether you're with us, again, on the television side or on the radio side. It's been, it's been very interesting to me over the course of the last five to seven years to watch the evolution of the company PXG. Now, you guys know PXG is one of my major sponsors. I'm extremely proud to represent the brand, which I guess begs the question, why? PXG entered the industry doing something that had never been done before. Uh, they absolutely turned the industry upside down, meaning that when you look at the evolution of golf equipment, and the distribution, the manufacturing, the marketing of golf equipment to get into your hands, the way it originally moved from green grass pro shops from the earliest days, then through off-course retail from the 1970s into the early 80s, 
uh, into big box sporting goods stores and beyond. Bob Parsons was the visionary of PXG. He is the P of PXG. And this man who was already immensely successful in multiple other businesses such that he became a multiple time billionaire in the process. To me, I like to define Bob as a friend. Uh, he asked me one time, uh, he, he does it often because it's his nature to say, what can I do for you? And I said, your friendship's the only thing I've ever asked. He gets it. He understands. He knows where he came from. He stays in touch. And he had the courage to enter into an industry at the time that the industry was down and to say, you know what? We're going to do it differently than everybody else. We're not going to try to keep up with the Joneses. We are going to define how the Joneses look ahead to the top tier. He literally defined a new consumer in the golf industry that many doubted was there. Everybody tried to chase him, but how could they? They were already ingrained with their system of distribution, the traditional one, and Bob was going direct to consumers. It's an absolutely amazing story. Recently, I had the honor of being at the opening of their newest retail store in the Dallas area, and it was mind-blowing. Gary Player was there, Darius Rucker was there, Terry Bradshaw was there, Emmett Smith was there, Bob and his wife Renee were there. Quite simply put, in, in the years that I've spent in the golf industry, particularly on the equipment side, from working on that side to, to reporting on that side, I've never seen anything else like it. It is that remarkable. It is a pleasure right now to be joined by the man himself, Bob Parsons. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you. You know, to see you the, the, just shortly, a, a, a while ago, at the opening of that store in the Metro Dallas area, was so remarkable uh, for all those reasons that I just laid out. But I guess the, the, the first question I would ask you, Bob, is having the success that you guys have now had on the equipment side, what was the driving force to say, you know what, we're ready to do it again, unlike anybody else, and we're going into retail? Well, um, we, as you know, we, we, we market direct. And we noticed that uh, during the, the first few years, our, our uh, biggest revenue source for a particular source was our headquarters showroom. And people would come in there, you know, they would, they would buy apparel, buy clubs, get fit for clubs and so forth. So we started thinking, well, you know, if, if this is so successful, maybe we should duplicate what works other places. And uh, so, so we've done that. I mean, we, we've, we've got uh, stores and uh, right now we've got uh, one in Chicago, Minneapolis, Atlanta, Seattle, and uh, three in Scottsdale and one in, um, or excuse me, yeah, four in Scottsdale and one in Dallas. And we're working on, we're going to have three more open by the end of the year. And all of them are doing, uh, well, they're doing really well. Why do you think that is, Bob? What is the connection that people have? I, and I know a lot of it is because of your own marketing genius, to be fair, but what is it about the PXG brand that people get, they connect to, and then they can come into these stores and continue with the experience that is PXG? Well, uh, the, the, the brand uh, resonates with, with uh, our customers on, on many levels. First, uh, they know that we are primarily a research and development company. And uh, when we say we're going to release clubs that are better 
than anything on the market. They know that's what we do. Uh, and, and so they're, they're excited about that. And they're also excited by everything else that we do. Um, nobody invests what we invest in our clubs. Uh, and uh, we, we take our time uh, uh, researching what we need to do. And I'm going to tell you before our, our clubs get to where, uh, well, we'll release them. You know, we have to kiss a lot of toads. Uh, so, I, I mean, one time, Matt, we, one of our early three woods was, um, I mean, you'd hit this three wood, this thing would go forever. You hit it the second time, it would collapse. Uh, so uh, we made the first disposable three wood that, that I think ever, ever existed. But uh, there was no market for that. So, uh, so we kept working and working and working till we got where we needed to be. You know, from that standpoint, just because you brought up the evolution of the clubs, it is a fascinating story. The fact that, uh, you know, you have Mike and you have Brad as your chief designers and engineers, and you brought these guys in with, Bob, what this concept that you wanted to design the best clubs, and then you told them you wanted an iron that was forgiving but looked like a blade, and they had to take all this information back and come up with, a product. I, it, could you take us through kind of that whole process of development? Well, uh, you know, when when I first hired those guys, uh, they uh, they came to me from Ping, and um, they had signed a agreement not to compete with Ping. And uh, in Arizona, it's one of the few states where where that's enforceable. So so for a year, they worked on 3D printing. They worked on seeing how long they could, how far they could hit a it hit a golf ball uh, uh, with a frying pan off a two-foot tee at the end of a six-foot pipe. Uh, the answer is 400 yards. Nice. Uh, but, I mean, just doing all, all silly stuff for the most part. Uh, we also looked at making golf balls. Uh, we learned enough to know I want no parts of that market. <laughs> and then uh, at the end of that year, they came into my office, and uh, we, we, we sat down with them and uh, uh, went to work. And what I told them we wanted, I said, I wanted a, a, a golf club that uh, an iron that looks like a blade, performs like a cavity back, is uber forgiving, uh, feels soft as can be, uh, launches higher, goes further, uh, is easy to control, and has a sweet spot the size of Texas. And uh, they listed all this on their yellow pads, and they said, is that it? <laughs> and I told them, for now. It's absolutely brilliant because the for now became the product that has continued to develop and develop and de develop. You're now on Gen 4 uh, and I've got the, the Gen 4 product. Dom, you may be able to go to a wide shot and show Bob on the set. The PXG product sits right next to me on the set over here. I'm not sure if you can see it yet on the camera. Dom's trying to widen it out. But I have in my hand the T model. There you go. You can see it now right over here with the PXG bag, etc. I have in my, in my hand the T-Model, which is an absolutely gorgeous iron. All of the names of these clubs, for the people that may not be aware, Bob is a decorated hero. He is a Purple Heart recipient from his service in Vietnam. You have honored the military and the Marines in particular throughout in terms of how you name your product and what it means. And I get the sense that it's, it's not only something to honor the Marines, as I mentioned, but Bob, that it's become something kind of fun for you in terms of how you develop the names and the brands. Well, 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 well first thing I want to say, you know, I, I carried a rifle with the 26 Marines uh, in Vietnam. We operated in Quang Nam province. And uh, Matt, while I did my job, uh, 
I didn't even come close to being a hero. And uh, I, I was there a month, got got uh, wounded, and uh, then I was I was medevaced out, and then was sent back a, a, a few more times. But uh, that was my military history. Now, when before I went into the Marine Corps, uh, I was a terrible student. I mean, uh, every year I was just terrible. If I was a kid in school today, I'd be pumped full of Ritalin. Uh, but uh, back then, I was mostly a pain in sister's tail. Uh, so uh, I squeaked by every year. I failed the fifth grade. Nobody can ever take that away from me. And um, uh, the rest of it, my, my high school, uh, school and high school wasn't much better. In high school, my senior year, I was failing most subjects, I think, except gym. And um, I had a couple friends come by and they asked me, they said, Bob, um, this I think was in March or April, they come by my locker and they said, we're going to go talk to the Marine Corps recruiter after uh, after school. You want to go with us? And um, I said, sure. So I, I went with them. All three of us joined the Marine Corps together on a buddy plan. Uh, it wasn't a real thought out decision, but we did. And I came back uh, when I got my orders to report to Paris Island I, for boot camp. I showed my teachers and, and they they they. <laughs> They all look, uh, they all passed me. So, I mean, it's a neat trick. You got a kid not doing well in school. Maybe that'll get him his diploma. Uh, yeah. But anyhow, that, that's what worked for me. Uh, we were in uh, boot camp in August. And uh, six months later, we were, uh, we were in Vietnam uh, carrying, carrying rifles. And uh, the, the deal was, after I come out of, out of the Marine Corps and I, I worked a year in a steel mill, I went to college and um, uh, studied accounting, mostly because it was the first major in the book. Had I opened it backwards, I might have been a zoologist. Uh, but um, uh, I, I studied accounting and I graduated magna cum laude. And the reason I did was I was a different guy. The Marine Corps taught me responsibility, discipline. They taught me that uh, uh, I could do much more than I thought I could. Uh, they taught me I had a right to be proud, all those essential things. Uh, so then I took the CPA exam, passed it the first time. I've had three successful startups counting PXG. Everything I ever accomplished, I owe to, to Mother Green. So I decided to honor that at PXG. All the, the names of most of our equipment are Marine Corps occupational codes. 0311, Rifleman, uh, or hybrids 0317. Scout Sniper, or uh, uh, Fairways 0341 uh, uh, Mortars, and of course the Driver 0811, you can be sure that's artillery. Bob, it's amazing. Uh, just to follow up on some of the things that Bob Parsons was talking about there, folks. First of all, Bob, you and I are going to have to disagree on, on your moniker as a hero, because in my book, you are. But I have to ask you a question in fairness. You said you signed up with two other buddies from high school. Mm -hmm. May I ask you what happened to your two friends? Were they okay? Um, no. Uh, my one friend, Aggie, was killed. And uh, uh, my other uh, 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 friend that I joined with, my brother, his name is uh, Charlie Mason. He was a triple amputee. He lives down in um, uh, South Carolina now. Dear, dear friend of mine. And... Uh, he is, you might not think this, he is one of the happiest guys you'll ever meet in your life. 
And I asked him, I said, Charlie, you know, with all that's happened to you, man, it's, it's amazing how happy you stand, you know, you stay. And he goes, Bob, I wasn't going to let a, a triple amputation screw up my life. And he hasn't. That's amazing. And in, and in your case, if I remember correctly in the, in the research, I believe you, you hit a tripwire, correct? I did, yeah. I, we were, we were uh, moving through a village in, in, in the evening or late at night. It was very dark. Um, and uh, I was uh, walking on the point team. I was walking second. The point man stepped over a tripwire, real high-stepping guy, and uh, <laughs> like a bull in a china shop, right through it, and kaboom. So uh, that's how I got wounded. Uh, I got shrapnel on both legs, left elbow. I was in um, Japan at the Naval Hospital day and a half after that. So, uh, and then, then uh, uh, in the Army, Navy, and Air Force back then, if you were wounded, you were pretty much out of combat in the Marine Corps three times. Um, and, of course, our tour was 13 months. Everybody else's was 12. So um, uh, in my ward, most of the guys in there were sent home. I was, I was sent back to the bush. And uh, on the way back, I uh, through, through just a crazy chain of events, I was, I was reassigned to Marine Corps intelligence because um, uh, my academic credentials, I was exactly the kind of guy they were looking for. <laughs> to that point, when you said to this crazy set of circumstances, I remember this story now. You at, at, at late night, you go out, out later than you're supposed to be, pouring rain, probably three sheets to the wind, and you see a soul coming at you in silhouette, and you bump into this guy. And correct me if I'm wrong, Bob Parsons, this was the man that you saved his life out in the bush. Am I correct? Yeah, I did. I, I saved his life on the first night. And um, what, what happened was um, uh, his squad was uh, in, encountered, and, you know, they, they sprung their ambush. We were about 1,000 meters away from them. We had uh, a corpsman with us. They had no corpsman with them. And um, uh, right when they sprung their ambush, right where they were set up was a, a North Vietnamese soldier in a spider hole. He came out, threw his Chicom hand grenade at uh, this, this fellow named Ermel Hunt. It landed at Ermel's feet, didn't go off. Ermel reached down, grabbed it, went to throw it back, and it went off about shoulder height. And uh, you could just imagine a tore armor up pretty good. Uh, so um, uh, as we got to where they were with the corpsman, the, um, the squad leader, a man by the name of um, uh, Larry Blackwell, was, um, uh, he was, uh, well, I guess he was losing his cookies in the middle of a rice paddy. And, and he was in shock because, I mean, Irma was, was just unbelievable how, how, how he was mangled. And uh, what happened was I noticed that the, the uh, Huey, the, the medevac helicopter, uh, was coming in to pick up Ermel, but it was going to land right on top of uh, Blackwell. And what I did was I seen it. I ran over to Larry and push, 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 push. We, we hit a rice paddy dike. Both went into that nasty water, but the helicopter missed us both. So uh, I'm pretty sure I was. I saved this bacon. At least he said I, I did. There's no doubt about that. But this is the man you run into in the dark of night. 
and he helped you getting the position with the intelligence, right? Well, what happened was he he was um, his squad was ambushed uh, a few weeks later, and uh, uh, Larry Larry took heavy shrapnel. Uh, we were told that he was uh, he was KIA. He was dead, and. Um, uh, when I was wounded, the Navy lost my payroll record, so I never got to go off base. And um, uh, in Japan, so but when I was in, going through Okinawa to come back to uh, to my unit in Vietnam, um, they they said, "Okay, you're you're going to Vietnam in the morning. By the way, your payroll record just showed up. Here's eight hundred dollars. Uh, you can go off base. See if you can find something to do. Be back at midnight." So so I went I went. Uh, went off base and you said I was three sheets to the wind. It was probably four or six sheets. <laughs> um, and uh, it was uh, it was three in the morning. I was looking for something else to do. Walking down this long street, raining to beat the band, guy coming the other way, it was Larry. And uh, he told me, he said, Bob, I was wounded three times. That was the third time. And um, uh, I'm here, I was stationed doing I had a chance to be stationed on Okinawa in intelligence. And our courier, uh, just uh, one of our couriers just rotated today and we haven't replaced him. I can get you that job. So he says, when are you uh, going to uh, be be uh, uh, leaving for Vietnam? I said, at seven in the morning. He said, well, I don't know what I can do, but you know what? When I fell out at, uh, first I went back to base and immediately got arrested for being AWOL. And then uh, I told the uh, officer today, it was this young lieutenant who had the worst job in the world, listening to mopes like me, you know. I, I said, uh, I, uh, I'm i going to be going back to Vietnam in the morning. And I went off base, had a little to drink, lost track of it. And and he just said, get him out of here. So they <laughs> took me back. And and um, at uh, like, like 6.30 or so when we had Reveille, I woke up with the hangover from the end all hangovers. And I had orders stationed in me in military intelligence in Okinawa. And I went back to Vietnam many, many times, but as a courier, flying back and forth and delivering orders and stuff like that. This, this folks, is why I love Bob Parsons. And it, it is so great to sit with this man and hear stories. And this is just a little tip of the iceberg. When you came out, when you decided to do accounting, when that evolved into back in the day, imagine what it was like, you started doing programming. I remember you telling me that you would sit down for umpteen hours and you would work straight through and that there was a time when you knew that you needed to stop, shower, eat, rest. Could you share with us that part of Bob Parsons? It's fascinating. Well, what, what I would do, I, I would work for 60 hours straight. And so I, let's say I came in at Monday at 8. I'd work straight through till Tuesday, straight through till Wednesday at 8. And this is this is without taking a break, usually leaving, you know. Um, and then until about 8 o'clock Wednesday night, when it was about 60 hours, uh, the way I knew to stop is I started to hallucinate. And, uh, you know, we need sleep for a reason. So I'd, I'd hear people that weren't there, or maybe I'd see movement that wasn't there. And so I'd say, all right, Bobby, time to, time to get some sleep. I'd go home, crash for about eight hours, get up, go for a run at the high school track, come back, shower up, do it again. Had I not done that, my first business would have never succeeded. But that first business did succeed massively. That led to GoDaddy, which succeeded massively. And through all that, 
you have, if memory serves me, some 14 different businesses under your umbrella currently, and they're all diversified and varied, and, and, and they're not necessarily connected from one to the other, which speaks to a passion for that which you do. But somewhere along the way, you decided that you were going to start a golf equipment company at a time, as I mentioned when you were coming on, that the golf industry was already down with no assurances whatsoever. I guess the question is why? What, what was the reason that you had such conviction to do what you did? So I like golf clubs, and, and I, I wanted to make a golf club that was uh, going to make me look really good. And, um, uh, you know, I met Mike Nicolette, who was with Ping at the time, and I asked him, I said, Mike, if, if, if we were willing to spend the money and take the time to, to make an – could we make something that was truly outstanding and, and better than, than, uh, than what's available now? He said, Bob – those are the constraints that keep us from doing it that I'd sure like to try. And you know what, Matt? I think we did it. Yeah, in, in many ways you did it, in, in a whole variety of different ways. That's why I like going through the technology of these clubs because they're absolutely packed with technology, and it takes time to make people understand it. But one of the things that, that now looks ingenious, but at the time it took, it took people a lot of, of wondering, you decided to go – your own path, such as a, it's a microcosm of the whole rest of your life too. But you went your own path and you decided to go direct to the consumer. Uh, what was behind that decision and were you concerned at any time that that was the right way to approach it? Well, you know, I, and when I was in the military, the way, I, the way I got through Vietnam was I looked at everything one day at a time. My number one goal when we went out on ambush was to somehow be alive for mail call the next morning. And, and I did that every day. And uh, I, I tell you, uh, I know when you, you, you look at, at, at small periods of time, you get through anything. Uh, so, uh, so that's what we did when we started. And, uh, uh, you know, like my first business, Parsons Technology or GoDaddy, uh, you know, as you're going through those formative times, I just look one day, one day in advance and try to do the right thing. <coughs> And uh, the one thing that uh, really resonated for us was uh, was selling direct because that way, you know, we don't have to worry about a salesman who's getting spiffed, pitching something that really isn't the best for you. And, and that happens all the time. We got that. We tell our own story. And, uh, brother, our story is a good one. So, uh, so it, it really, you know, customers love it. <laughs> and not only do we make great golf equipment, our apparel is the finest in the world. Uh, Mrs. Parsons, uh, Renee, uh, she heads that up. And, uh, you know, we source our own fabrics. We have our own designers. We have manufacturers that, that uh, just make the clothing for us. The manufacturers that make the clothing for us are the ones that specialize in those particular uh, pieces. Uh, our stuff is cashmere, fine cottons. No other golf company does that. Well, we do it, and I'll tell you what, we sell out every year. To that point, the, the apparel obviously shows extremely well in a brick-and-mortar setting, in a retail setting. What do you hope to do on the retail side, Bob? What, what is the, the short-term slash long-term plans for PXG when it comes to brick-and-mortar? Well, uh, our, our, our long-term plan is basically, it's very simple, uh, and that is we are dedicated to making the very best golf equipment in the industry. 
whatever it takes. And then uh, the, the the short term plan is is what we have to do to reach our customers and tell that story, uh, so they become aware that that we are uh, a, a good option for them. Uh, that's what we work on each and every day. To to that what you work on each and every day, I think a lot of people have been pleasantly surprised, some of them probably shocked, that when they go on to pxg.com or they call 844-PLAY-PXG, they're finding that PXG product is far more within reach than what they may have expected. Uh, what is your message to the world in terms of take the time to check PXG so that you get the quality, you get the technology, you get the, the custom fitting that is unique, you get the direct relationship, but it may not be what you may have thought it was previously? Well, you know what what we did, Matt, when we when I founded the company and we started selling and we launched our first product, um, uh, they were they they were necessarily very expensive uh, because of um, uh, we we didn't have the volume uh, we we um, uh, had a lot of R and D to recover and on and on. Uh, but as as we have been in the business, our new products newest products are still very expensive but we also uh have in introduced uh some um uh more affordable products that uh, make no mistake these things perform right with um our, our our earlier generation clubs and outperform most of the clubs on the market these are our low-end clubs and 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 or low-end price clubs and when um uh, we sell those right now today. We're selling them for $79.99 a club. You get your equipment in, in a week or less. And I'm telling you, what makes my day is when uh, uh, customers uh, get these, they expect that, you know, they're not going to be much. And when they see how they perform, they usually say something like, oh, my God. We're like, geez, I've never hit anything that far. Or that felt that good, and that's our that's our entry level stuff, and our top of the line stuff. Well, you can use your imagination on that. Bob, your voice is so unique. The the fact that that in everything else that you do from a marketing perspective, and you seem to get it before anybody else, you decided to use your own voice uh, for the majority of your commercials. I doubt that there's any place now that Bob Parsons can go where people don't know that Bob Parsons is there. But has it happened anywhere, anytime, where someone heard your voice first and went, hey, I know you? You know, it happened once at the, at the bar at Frederica and down in, in Georgia. And the uh, guy said, wait a minute, that voice, that voice. <laughs> the PXG. And then, of course, I hit him with a kaboom, baby. <laughs> Rightfully so. What are you the most excited about right now, Bob Parsons? Oh, I'm I'm just excited about being alive, uh, Matt. You know, I just uh, I, I love being here. I turned 70 this year, and um, you know I got a lot of stuff I I, I got to get done before I I hit 140. <laughs> Bob, you're an absolute classic. Thank you. I, I held you a lot longer than I'm sure what you were expecting to be on the show today, but. I can't help it because I love your stories and I very much get into them. When we're together, uh, it, it usually involves some good Macallan whiskey and, and, a, and a bunch of really good stories like this. Uh, folks, do log on to pxg.com or dial 844-PLAY-PXG because PXG, nobody builds golf clubs the way we do, period. Is there 
slogan, and I'm going to ask him to say, you know I was going to be, before he leaves today. But, Bob, I did want to thank you for, for the generosity and all the time that you spent with us. My pleasure. Anytime, Matt. For you, brother, anytime. Thank you. All right, here's your chance. Let's hear that slogan one more time. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. That's Bob Parsons. Thank you. See you. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? Where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw, sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear. And where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. Ireland is home to over 400 courses, including a third of the world's natural links and a selection of exceptional championship courses in amazing locations, as well as hosting the prestigious Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, and the Open. Experience golf like you never have before from Royal Port Rush, Royal County Down, Port Marnock, Le Hinch, Valley Bunyan, or Chile. Let yourself be embraced by the culture and history and feel the warmth of the Irish people who will make you feel as though you have not left home, but returned to it. For more information, log on to Ireland.com. 